everybody. Um, welcome to our podcast about background checks and the effects of them in positive slash negative ways on uh, how uh, people use background checks in, in the real world. Um, but I just want to introduce myself. My name is Seth. I am a senior at Southern New Hampshire University. Uh, I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. Hopefully, uh, you uh, draw from it however you choose. Thank you. I am Maren Dennis. I am also a senior at Southern New Hampshire University. We think that this podcast can offer a lot of value to anybody that listens, and we hope that you know anything you can get out of this, let us know. And if you want to hear more, let us know that too. Hi, my name is Nina DiCarlo. I am a junior at Southern New Hampshire University, I'm also studying business. Um, this podcast is really interesting and offers a lot of great insight from a lot of different perspectives, and I'm really excited about it. What's up, y'all? My name is Chris. Um, I'm also a junior at uh, Southern New Hampshire University, and uh, I'm excited to be talking with y'all about um, the in-depth information um, and background, the background checks. And uh, um, I hope you all enjoy and uh, learn from it as well. So a little bit about um, who we are. Um, as as previously said, we're all students at Southern New Hampshire University and we are uh, taking this class in, or taking a social environment of business class where we work hand in hand with Project AIM. So for those of you guys listening who are not part of um, Project AIM uh, within the prison system, um, hopefully you can draw from this as well. Uh, we are working alongside uh, learners inside of a uh, prison down in Connecticut where we are helping them with their education as well. Um, so the topic that we are taking on today is background checks and how uh, they can affect uh, people who are getting out of prison, uh, whether it be for a uh, petty crime or a uh, more severe crime, uh, and what the process looks like when getting a uh, background check is done. Um, so I personally, I'll be going into the process side after conducting an interview with um, a, a, an HR manager of a manufacturing company. Uh, in their process of what they use for background checks. Um, and then uh, Marin is going to tackle a different uh, portion. Marin, you want to elaborate? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to wrap up our podcast today with just a little bit of information on resources and programs for reentry and just anybody that's looking for job opportunities with incarceration on their background check. Um, we think this podcast is going to be great for anybody who potentially has any sort of reason they might fail a background check, as well as anybody entering the workforce in the near future, So just so they know a little bit about what they're getting themselves into. Um, we're going to cover the process as well as, you know, other areas that we believe, um, you know, people are concerned about, such as, you know, any problems that they might run into, anything that gets flagged on a background check. And then we're also going to talk about what you do when you fail a background check. And Chris, what were you going to talk about today? Yeah, so going off that, um, I will be speaking about the problems that can happen throughout the background check process. So 
um that goes with like federal background checks or just local background checks um it's two different things so um each one has a different um process um but obviously with the same outcome um so we will be uh, elaborating on the kinds of background checks and uh, what problems could um, occur throughout both processes And going on top of that, um, after Chris, I'll be talking about uh, failed background checks. And we're gonna dive in today um, from kind of both sides of the perspective. We're gonna go with the possible employee and the employer and see what kind of happens on both sides of the situation. Uh, when you get a failed background check, what people should expect as the um, candidate and the employer and how they should move on after getting a failed background check and what they should do better for next time if they end up not getting the job due to a failed background check. So uh, what I'm going to talk about first here is obviously the process of a background check. Um, this podcast itself is going to pertain mostly to the uh, criminal and incarceration background uh, that comes up uh, during background checks and how to move forward and pass that. But it is important to know that that's not the only thing that shows up on a background check. So a background check, um, especially when you're looking for employment, uh, usually has three main groups, um, one being identity and social security verification, making sure that the person applying for a job is the person that he or she says she, he or she or they say that they are. Um, and then they look into credit reports as well, um, depending on the job that you're lo looking into, confirming just um, what they originally found, whether it was your identity and confirming um, your standing with um, lenders or banks, just making sure that you are of good standing. Uh, and then furthermore, then you have your criminal records and your public records that um, employers will look into to see whether or not uh, there is anything that would raise a red flag when hiring somebody, uh, whether it be something that ha happened in the past, could be minor misdemeanors, uh, to felonies or even things that you're charged for but acquitted of or dismissed. So there's a lot that they can look into. Uh, that includes uh, driving records as well. I'll dive a little bit deeper into that in just a second here. Um, so I spoke with my um, one of my professors at Southern New Hampshire University, Dr. Campbell, who was also a HR manager for a large manufacturing company. Uh, and when I asked her how she performed a background check, um, she said she starts off with an interview and it comes to hiring someone. Someone puts in an application and they set up an interview and that is uh, done well before they even do a background check where that's the first level of screening to see whether or not uh, this potential employee is going to be um, one truthful and come up come forward about their uh criminal past if if they had one um or just see if they're going to be a fit for the job as well um and then they start uh calling references after the interview if that's someone that they were interested in hiring and then they do and then as she explained to me they would look into 
obviously a background check, but what they looked into for certain jobs varied. So if they were looking for someone to be a welder and they did a background check and they saw money laundering on their background check, that's not really going to raise a red flag at that point because, oh, it's, it's not, not dealing with money, but they may or may not uh, get hired for an accounting position. Um, so it's just because something pops on your background check doesn't mean you're completely in, ineligible for a job. Some jobs you may find restriction for. Um, like if you're driving and you get a background check, if you're getting a job as a driver for a company, whether you're shipping parts back and forth or as a trucker um, and you have a bad driving record that will show up on your background check. And uh, she stayed, uh, Dr. Campbell stated that that is something that will get in the way of um, getting hired. And when they run a background check, they usually do it through a third party. Um, not all criminal backgrounds are going to get tossed as or uh, disqualified from a job, as I uh, previously stated. Um, Dr. Campbell talked a lot about uh, their workers working in out of a halfway house. So it's, it's a tra- uh, for those of you who don't know, a halfway house is a kind of a transition home where people who make parole go um, to live. But they go from there to work and then they go back to uh, the halfway house. And depending on the job that needed to be done, a lot of their employees were um, people with criminal backgrounds. Uh, There were some crimes when asked about her that, uh, or when I asked her about uh, what crimes were okay and what crimes were not, that um, would raise red flags or immediately uh, just say, no, we're not interested. Uh, One of them was crimes against children. Uh, it's just on a character side of that, um, having a hard time hiring someone who is involved in a, a crime such as that or any sexual assault of any kind um, in terms of coming up with a volatile workspace. Um, and then theft and robbery uh, would raise red flags, but wouldn't be immediate no's, she stated, uh, just because there are assets within within a company, whether they're working in manufacturing or packaging or whatever it is there, depending on uh, what the uh, thrift or robbery was for. Um, if it was petty when they were younger, obviously uh, the people are human. They get caught doing stupid things and um, HR managers are consistent with that. Um, but if you get caught stealing equipment and that pops up again and you're working in for this particular manufacturing job, uh, they may or may not hire and probably leaning closer to the not hiring side because of it. Um, it was rare uh, that uh, people who with with like violent crimes such as battery or um, assault or aggravated assault would get hired, she said, uh, really have to dive into the reasoning uh, and part of maybe a second interview after that, figure out exactly what happened and see uh, where what steps to take forward to make sure that it wouldn't happen while at that place of work. And then obviously we talked about uh, drugs as well. And because that's where a lot of incarcerated people are in jail for is drugs these days, Uh, whether it's minor drug charges, uh, which usually got overlooked. Um, So if you had like a misdemeanor drug charge for possession or anything like that, and you pass a drug test and 
most of the time you're going to be all right unless you have a recurring history of it. Um, felonies raised red flags. Um, that usually means possession with intent and or large quantities and or hard drugs as well. So it's definitely a uh, question, uh, a, a sticky subject, obviously, because people still need to get hired and go into the working world after being incarcerated. But there are a lot of challenges that go with it. And she explained those to me. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you find it interesting because, you know, there isn't much in the way of, you know, a uniform code on what's acceptable and what's not, um, even just between different positions. And, you know, all of those are kind of up to those HR departments or, you know, whoever's hiring. So, you know, depending on the character or maybe even biases of the person that's hiring could also affect who you're getting hired by and, you know, just something to think about. Yeah. And honestly, I think a good HR manager is able to detect when someone is still a problem and when someone is not going to be a problem. I've worked at a few different places where I've worked with convicted felons and people who have um, done some pretty, pretty terrible stuff, but they were some of my greatest mentors at the same time who were devoted to the job and devoted to a, to their situation that they were dealt and made the best of it. So it's definitely not an impossible world after incarceration. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that that's also really interesting and important uh, to talk about during the process of it is, um, which is also another thing that like I'll be touching on later, but just to make sure that in each one of those situations that each applicant is like getting assessed in their own way um, because, you know, there are really good candidates out there who do have, you know, remorse if they've done something really bad or it may have just been, you know, a small misdemeanor and people that are really trying to get their life back on track um, and who have put the effort into work back to get there. And so I think that that's really interesting and important Um because some people don't get those jobs. And like you said, Seth, like you have worked with, um, you know, people who have committed crimes before and they are really devoted to their work and their jobs. So the importance of assessing them all individually as they come. Yeah, and in, in my eyes, I mean, if you find someone who has a passion for the job that they're doing and a company that they, excuse me, uh, a company that they really want to work for and can prove that they're willing to put the time and be a functioning part of that company or just society in general. I think most people do deserve a chance. Um, again, as um, Dr. Campbell mentioned, there are some crimes that may not be excusable, like crimes against children um, on a character side of it. But that's not anyone's real decision without knowing the applicant. I mean, you really have to vet the applicant, understand exactly what happened. And I think it, it goes to not just the HR manager's responsibility, but also the applicant's responsibility to defend themselves and stand up for themselves and explain why that they deserve to be hired. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, being forthcoming like that definitely sets applicants with previous incarceration apart from others because they show that they've changed and that they're willing to make an effort towards their second chance so that, you know, the company's more willing to not overlook them. Chris, you have any thoughts? Uh, I kind of agree with all of you on what y'all been saying. Uh, so I think uh, <laughs> they're on the right track here. Awesome. We're going to go into the next uh, next section here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So the next section is problems. Well, I was just saying the next section's problems. This is going to cover, you know, red flags on background checks, anything that might cause you to fail, um, you know, things of that nature. So Chris, if you want to take it away. Yeah, of course. Um, so I don't want to take up most of your time here. Um, so I'm just going to briefly um, go over um what could possibly happen um, in a background check with some problems, red flags, um, or just holds um, on a background check. Um, so definitely um, a great point to talk about um, with a problem of a background check is unfair judgment. Um, so this can go along the lines of um, some employers um, obviously pass up great candidates based on, you know, um, questionable information from the past. Um, so obviously um, in the you know, when you're young, um, you make mistakes, um, you make choices, and uh, just little things like that can be brought on your background check. And even though a charge has ever been dismissed um, or you ever had a face and it's been dismissed afterwards, um, it will still show up um, as an offense um, on your federal um, background check. Um, so um, it doesn't matter um, what you have done for the outcome, um, the positive outcome afterwards, um, but obviously things like that can show up in your background. Um, so um, obviously some things like that will be brought up um, to different employers, um, but obviously um, explain yourself and um, where your position is today, um, honestly would be helpful um, to overcome that problem. Um, so that goes along with felony records, um, obviously, um, there are job positions that do not allow you um, to work for their company based on um, a felony, a mistake, or a charge. Um, so obviously, you know, with that being said, there are jobs that do allow you um, to work, um, even though you have a red flag on your background check. Um, but, you know, there is a problem that many people face. Um, it's but it's definitely doable to work with. Um, and there, are, there is still opportunity um, from that. Um, so to go along some positive background checks, um, a huge problem can be green cards. Um, so with the green cards, you have to make sure that they're legal. Um, many um, green cards um, can be fake, can be forged. Um, so definitely making sure they are legal, um, that can cause a problem, um, throughout the background check process. Um, so an example, um, if you worked at McDonald's, um, let's say in New York and you did not have like the proper paperwork, um, for that state, for the, like for a different state, so like say, uh, California or whatever, like say a different state, um, and you didn't have the proper paperwork for that specific state, then that could um, cause a problem throughout the background check process um, and cause the process um, to go longer or just stretch out more than you want it to um, than it already is. Um, so federal background check, 
Um, so going with an example of this, um, Crane, like for example, the company Crane & Co., um, they go back 10 to 15 years of job history. Um, they do take two drug tests, um, which includes a hair sample. Um, a hair sample can tell you what drugs you ever have taken in the past 10, 15 years. Um, and also the second, obviously, the pee in the cup, um, which is the second test, um, which can go back and look between three to six months of what drugs you have taken. Um, so going off that, certain jobs require certain licenses. Um, so if you want to be a police officer, obviously you have to have the license to carry. Um, so just along those lines, um, you know, not having the certain um, licenses, the certain paperwork, um, and um, with the drug test, you know, it, it could it can cause red flags and problems, some holds um, in the background check process. Um, the idea of a drug test, I mean, you mentioned like a hair a hair sample for the drug test. It is crazy to me, um, as that being part of like a hiring background test or background check. For sure. Because people can make mistakes, in my opinion, right? There's exactly I have. <laughs> you know, whether you go out, you go to a party and you just try something for one time, and then all of a sudden you everything that you've worked your entire life for goes out the window for that one time that you tried something and um that that can really mess with some people. And the idea of it messes me a little bit. Just because there's such an opportunity out there to make mistakes, and it is so unforgiving when you do. Um, For like, sure. I don't know the yeah. idea of mar- the idea of marijuana comes up to me as well. Just because, like, yeah, you, outside of the hair test, a lot of states are making mar- we, marijuana legal at this point, and it's not like it's something where it's like cocaine where you pee. Or you, you ingest it, and then after two days, it's not going to show up in a urine test. But marijuana, something that only affects you so minorly, shows up 30 to 40 days later at times. And you can't get a job because of something you did over a month ago that you stopped doing so you could get the job. Exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely crazy to see, um, you know, one decision you make. Um, can affect an opportunity for you in the future. Um, but obviously, um, that effect doesn't last forever. Uh, you can definitely overcome it. Um, but it is, it's it's kind of a soft community out here. And uh, we, you know, you have to, you know, just think more before you do. Um, and it's, it's, it definitely helps. Um, but, you know, a problem like that um, can definitely be solved. Um, but yeah, thanks for chiming in, um, Seth. Um, I do have a couple more things um, to go over. Um, so just another problem here I have is, uh, uh, like I said before, is forging certain documents. So documents can be forged um, pretty easily nowadays with the new technology coming out and you know everyone getting used to technology and what, what is sourced to us. Um, so forging documents... Um, has been a newly thing. Um, it's been around for a little bit, but it's it's showing more now. Um, and things like that can cause up to be a question mark um, to employers um, and like federal background check processes. Um, so just to be aware of that, just make sure, you know, all your documents 
are up to date. Um, they're not fake. They're real. Um, and they're all complete. All the information is complete. And um, going through that and just following the guidelines, um, you should be all set um, for um, whatever employer that you soon to um, come across. Um, so with that being said, um, like I said before, there are difference between a federal background check and a normal background check. Um, so a federal background check can take up to three to six weeks to come back. So that um, federal background check is like, it goes more in depth, um, things like that. And a normal background check um, can take anywhere between five to seven days, but obviously depends on if your employer um, has a drug test requirement. Um, not all employers um, make you take a drug test, um, but there are, are certain positions um, throughout many different careers that um, require you to take one or two drug tests, um, mostly one, um, but there are intense drug um, employers that make you take two, um, like the hair and the pee in the cup tests. Um, so um, a couple of more things. Um, incomplete background checks um, can cause a hold on the weight um, of it coming back also can be denied. So like I said, making sure your information is up to date, it's complete, everything's filled in, you know, you put your, um, just your normal information, like social security card, um, stuff like that, and just making sure everything is up to date and complete um, so you can get your background check um, as soon as possible and you, can you know keep going with the process of with your employer um and lastly um education um tends to maintain a problem in the background check um status so an employer um has the right to verify your educational um credentials um so while many um employers don't like have the requirement of you having um a college degree. Um, some might have you have a high school diploma or a GED, um, but some um, employers don't even need that. Um, but definitely um, there are employers that do want you to have an education background. Um, so they will verify your educational credentials and some, um, uh, some employers might ask you to show certifications or awards. Um, so that could be um, high school diploma, your GED, your bachelor's degree, whatever you have, um, or whatever award you have done in the past, or certification, um, they might ask you um, to present that to them. Um, but like I said, not all of them do require any of that information. Um, so like that being said, um, with education, obviously, um, employers want to see your past work history as well. Um, past work history allows them to see um, what you are capable of doing, what experience you've had already. Um, so having some type of work history um, helps. Um, so if you don't, if you have less work history, it can cause a problem um, with the employer to identify um, which way they should go in the process with you. Um, so having some kind of based on that is uh, good to have if uh, anybody else wants to chime in on that. Well, and I just, you know, on that and all of those different red flags or things that can hold up the background check process, I think it's also important 
to note that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, willful deception. And, you know, that doesn't have to be the reason that you fail a background check, like lying or forging documents. Sometimes even just exaggerating on your resume too much or leaving out, you know, important relevant history, whether you got fired or just left the job on bad terms. A lot of those things can be a red flag to employers and can actually cost you the job, even if you weren't trying to be, you know, deceptive. Um, so it's important to be truthful and honest. And if you, you know, there were some bad experiences, you don't have to, you know, harp on those moments, but you do have to be honest and forthright with the potential employer in order for them to know that, you know, you are a trustworthy person that they do want to hire. Yeah. And you bring up a, a good point there, Marn, um, where it's not just, um, like a background check isn't just uh, take a look at a criminal history. There's a lot that goes into a background check, as I brought up prior. Even like just looking into your credit history and making sure that, that you're of good standing with other companies, um, paying them on time, that kind of stuff. Now, there obviously are situations where uh, you can't pay on time. And that is that is understandable, but being being forthcoming about it. I mean, if you're applying applying for a job as a um, let's call it like a, a buyer or a, a seller for a company, and you need to put out um, purchase orders or anything at a certain amount of time, looking into the history of someone's um, credit is going to show show exactly like how well you were able to meet deadlines because credit credit can be messed up on a number of ways one by not paying but two by paying late and that kind of stuff and if it's just the irresponsibility of uh not paying on time or anything like that and just forgetting to pay your bills that could certainly uh damage it as well but if you can be honest with your employer and explain that kind of stuff to them um you definitely can set yourself up with a better shot by just being honest Sure. Um, um, I, I just want to, I just want to, um, uh, say one quick thing. Um, we all running out of time out of this meeting. Um, but we do have more to talk about. Um, we will have a part two right after, um, this segment. Um, so I just wanted to let all of you know that we all run out of time of this meeting. Um, but we, um, we'll start right back up in just a second here. Um, if, yeah, I just want to let you all know about that. How about that? I'm going to stop recording. We can obviously, you know, cut this part out, but I will see you guys <laughs> back in this meeting link in about two minutes. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, um, great talking to y'all um, about the problems of um, what could possibly potential um, be throughout the background check and uh, hope you gain some well and good information to uh, help you out um, and have a process um, with employee um, you face in your life. Um, but I'm just going to take it off to Nina now, who's going to talk about her points and uh, then we'll have a conversation um, after that. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Um, so I'm going to be going over the topic of failed background checks. Um, so kind of what happens when you fail a background check, looking at it from both points of view, um, from the possible candidate and from the employer's point of view. Um, when you're looking at a background check, it's not 
like an it's not like an exam um, or anything like that. People shouldn't be worried for their background check. It's just kind of a summary of helpful information about the candidate um, and their suitability to be hired for that job. So as mentioned before, it can uncover a lot of information about that candidate. Um, it can talk about their criminal history, um, if they possess a valid driver's license to practice in their field. But understanding that even if you fail your background check, it's not a deal breaker. Um, having convictions or misrepresented credentials, um, it's not a deal breaker. There's always opportunity and room for growth beyond that failed background check, even within um, continuing to attempt to get hired at this same company. Uh, so as far as the company goes, uh, you know, if you have a candidate who has a failed background check, uh, the first thing that you're going to want to do is send a pre-adverse action notice before making a decision or before even starting to make a decision. Um, three of the items that you're going to want to send to this candidate is a copy of their background check results. Let them understand what's on there. That way they can view it and see kind of what you're seeing. Um, as Seth had mentioned before, a lot of organizations and companies do background checks through a third party. So you're going to want to inform that candidate of what that name of the screening company was. And you're also very important, you're gonna wanna send them a copy of a summary of your rights under the FCRA. You're gonna give that about five to 10 business days. And what you do in that five to 10 business days is really important as to what the outcome of the situation for the candidate and your company is gonna be. The employer is gonna have to look a lot inside and ask a lot of personal questions um, and understand the company's personal criteria and kind of where their standards and their comfortability is at in hiring this person. The employer is going to want to understand and ask, you know, is what's created them to fail their background check? Is that relevant to me or my organization? Um, again, Seth had mentioned before, you know, if you have someone who is gotten arrested for, you know, a serious, serious crime involving children and whether it's harming or whatever it's going to be, you're not going to want to hire that person as a daycare worker. It's not going to happen. So understanding if that crime that they've committed or, you know, their information or whatever, is that relevant to me? Is it something that's important to me? Is it relevant to my company? Is it relevant to my company's mission and goals here? And is that going to keep us backtracking or hold us back from that? Um, do they disqualify for this job from my point of view? Understanding if bringing this person into the company would make anybody feel uncomfortable would make you feel uncomfortable, you know, would it make you on edge? And, you know, that's also a lot of like 
um, societal bias that plays into that when you see someone who, you know, could be an ex-criminal or they've done X, Y, and Z, and, you know, you get hesitant and you pull back a little bit, that's normal, but it's a lot of bias from society. Um, and understanding the difference when looking at their background check of the difference of a traffic violation versus a murder and where does that line get drawn where it's something that's really serious enough that you wouldn't give this person the job. Um, during an interview, employers should generally be asking questions during the hiring process about things like criminal records or you know, if you're applying to be an Amazon driver, oh, have you gotten any traffic violations in the past year? What are they? Let me know. Have you gotten tickets? What were the tickets for? Stuff like that, anything general, um, just to kind of dive in and get a good general idea. And, but at the same time, the employers have to treat the information that they're asking uh, with caution to comply with laws and regulations against discrimination. Um, they want to um, assess applicants differently, which is something that I had mentioned when Seth was talking. Something that's really important when you're looking at a failed background check is the age and time of the offense. How, how many years has it been since then? And would that still be relevant today? Um, for example, if they had all these misdemeanor crimes for possession of marijuana, well, looking at it today, marijuana is now legal in Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. So how, how is that crime affecting people now? Um, rehabilitation efforts, which is kind of goes along with the program that we're currently in. How- Yeah, you mind if I interrupt? No, not at all. Go for it. Yes. Yeah, so, so you actually you bring up a good point of like um, how long ago something that happened. Um, it brings brings me to kind of a, a personal subject uh, with someone in my family who was in a um, uh, federal supermax. He's been in federal supermax for uh, since he was 18. He's almost 50 now. Um, and the idea of how long ago something happened and um, Aaron touched upon it um, earlier where just um, people do change and yeah. how, how can someone who has been in prison uh, for a lot of their life and a lot of their maturing part of their life from when they were the antics of when he, he or she was a child um, or borderline child slash adult teenager uh, to now and how he can be functioning in, in a society now, but how he has also matured. So yeah. it, it's, it's cool you brought that up just because uh, this particular uh, individual, um, he has done so many things while in prison. He's gotten a bachelor's degree and working on a master's degree and working on an appeal process as well to uh hopefully hopefully get out sometime yeah but, uh, that's awesome yeah it's cool but i don't know it, when they pull a background check on them 
uh, there's going to be very few companies that are going to be willing to hire me and being able to function in society without having something to do, like have a job uh, is going to be very tough. And mm-hmm. he's, he'll be qualified. He'll be educated, but just because of something that he did when he was 18 years old is going to prevent him from being able to contribute as a functioning member of society in his late fifties, which was just sad. Yeah. But it's well, no, that's okay. Thank you very much for sharing. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, like things like effort of rehabilitation, which Seth, like you said, you know, he's he's getting educated while he's in prison. And you know, the learners that we're currently working with, we're helping them get a head start, or not helping them, they're helping themselves get a head start so that you know by the time they're out they can have a better chance of jumping right back into present day society. And not only is that benefiting them, it's making it more noticeable to their employers that, you know, since they've been in this facility, they're working to better their lives. And that shows a lot to an employer. Um, Another thing that you're going to want to look at or that employers are going to want to look at is their employment history, both before and after. It may not be the first time that they're applying for a job, um, you know, after they get out of prison or since they failed their last background check and whatever they've done, but understanding what kind of work they did before, let's say they went to prison. were they doing construction or were they, you know, at owning a nursery? There's actually um, a family that lived two houses down for me, from me. Um, and the husband um, and the wife owned a daycare. And uh, they had been running that daycare for about three years. Um, And the husband got arrested for distributing child porn and was literally there during the hours of the daycare and making literal pornographic videos with these babies and infants and posting them online. And that's how he got caught when someone said, that's my four-year-old child, um, So things like that is, you know, he worked at a nursery. That's what he went to jail for. He wouldn't come back to a nursery. Um, And, you know, finding out if they had gotten fired from a job after they got out of prison and stuff like that, understanding, you know, what generally their employment throughout their whole life has been. Um, Looking at their character references, um, having good references no matter what is always going to help somebody out, whether you failed a background check or you didn't fail a background check, it's always good to have good references. And especially if, you know, maybe you don't have the prettiest background check, you're going to want to have people who can talk great about your character or people who can say, you know, I, I did work with this person one time and I'll, I'll tell you they were the hardest worker that I've ever seen in my life. Those are the people that are going to get you to get that job. Um, and verifying a background check, if it was failed with a candidate, is something that you're always going that an employer's always going to want to do. 
and communicate and decide um, kind of what's going to happen. And, you know, if you decide that they're not going to get the job, then you're going to send an adverse action notice, including um, a note that says that the screening company who, you know, did your background check did not make that final decision. They'll have 60 days to get a free copy of their file and they have the right to dispute what's on the background check. So after this candidate gets that background check, say there was something that was wrong on their background check and there was something that their background check said they did, but they didn't actually do. Um, you know, that actually happens a lot more than you think. Two people with the same first and last name and all of a sudden their background checks get messed up. It could be someone that went to Harvard that's applying for the job and he comes out like he was in the mafia and it's it can it really can be a mess. Um, so it does happen a lot more often than people think. Um, so you can dispute a background check under your name and try again for that job. Um, and other than that, you're just gonna have to start fresh if you didn't get the job. And for that candidate, they should have a really good understanding even before they go in there uh, into applying for a job on what they're gonna want to be able to talk about, what they're gonna need to say. And we talked about it a lot already today, being truthful and being honest from the start, getting that chance to explain yourself to your employer before they find a failed background check is your best bet. And it's going to be the most important thing because like I had mentioned earlier, having convictions or a failed background check is not always a deal breaker. And being a candidate going into a job offer and applying for jobs, they should be very well aware that 72% of employers are going to be conducting background checks as a part of the normal hiring process. So you should always be prepared when you're going in there for that. And if you know you came out of jail and you're going to apply for a job, make sure that you're being honest and upfront because over 82% of those employers who are running background checks are looking for things like criminal records and convictions and stuff like that, wondering anything that can indicate whether that candidate could pose a threat to customers, to their fellow work staff, or absolutely anyone in that environment that would make that work environment unsafe. That's their biggest concern when they're looking at your background check is that everything with hiring you is going to remain as safe as possible. Um, so as for the candidate, if they go ahead and they fail the background check and they're not going to get the job, to look for better references next time, to do more rehabilitating. If you if they didn't get the opportunity to go back to school, to go back to school and educate yourself to do more volunteer work, to go get another copy of your background check so that you can really spend some time uh, evaluating it. And one thing that you know employers always, always do, especially in today's society, is they're gonna Google your name. They're gonna Google your name and where you're from. So always take a chance and Google yourself. 
because there's always bad stuff or crazy things, you know, that could be on the internet that maybe an employer sees, oh, here's a video of this person and they're clearly on drugs and drinking at this party. Not, not the kind of example that we want out there for this organization, which is, you know, it's a very understanding um, or understandable. So having people Google themselves and clearing any bad stuff from social media, um, you know, profanity, bad language, stuff like that, that, you know, you might even think could be making your chance of getting the job a little bit less tagging along with a failed background check. But failing a background check overall is not the end of the world. There is so much more that people can do to improve as much as you can't take serious crimes off of a background check. You can definitely zone it out a little bit more by showing everything that you have done since then and how you've made your life better and how you've helped in all the jobs that you had before, the jobs that you're going to get now, all your, your best strengths, great references, um, really doing the most to make your community a better place. Um, and just being open and honest throughout the entire process will get you past that failed background check and get you a secure spot at the job that you want. And yeah, that's that's what's gonna happen when you fail a background check and what's gonna go down and how you can save yourself from it. So uh yeah I think hey, the moral for that insight Nina. Yeah thank you. Um I think the so basically um the moral of the story background checks is basically like the whole process is very important um and obviously um you know there's many different scenarios that could go down with the background checks um they they can um be problems um to you know try and defeat and you know you might go through some problems going through the process um but obviously um there is a way out of it there is a way through it um to make it to, the, to make it to the other side and become successful um, so, you know, definitely take into consideration, um, you know, when you are making moves on what employers you want to contact and connect with and, you know, just doing research behind that employer and seeing what the requirements are and knowing what you have to offer is important, um, you know, before the application process and then into the background check, just making sure everything's complete and that you're confident and you show um, the progression that you have inclined through your life. And, uh, you know, with that being said, you know, going, if you do that, then, you know, you can have many opportunity um, throughout your lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And um, hey. background checks do offer a lot of, you know, possibilities still to come and, for people who are really motivated in their life, it only offers more motivation to strive harder and get what you desire, um, changing your life around. And I think Marin has a lot to add to that. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Marin's got a bunch that's going to tie it all together here for us. 
So what do you got for us, Mara? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there are plenty of reasons that someone might fail a background check, whether, you know, deceptive or just even having previous incarceration or even just, you know, silly mistakes that can cost somebody a job. And, you know, it's really interesting that background checks are still so prevalent relevant and um, important in today's society, especially considering that around one in three adults have a criminal background. So, you know, background checks are a common thing and, you know, employers are really dealing with this stuff on a regular basis with, you know, the amount of people with criminal backgrounds. Um, you know, with these numbers, along with the 60% of ex-prisoners that are unemployed a year after release, there's a good reason and, you know, good reasoning behind why the government and their private programs exist to help with, you know, not only re-entry, but getting back into the workforce, getting hired and staying hired. Um, you know, a lot of these re-entry programs are not only there to help people get back into society after being incarcerated, but also it's been proven that having a job after you've been incarcerated helps um, prevent like things like recidivism and, um, you know, things that can cause any person to, you know, cause more harm to society just trying to survive because they're not able to be employed. Um, there were a couple and that of brings into the idea of efficacy as well, where uh, if someone can get a job and become a functioning part of society um, and their self-efficacy goes up due to that, they're obviously going to be way less likely to go back to their old ways, which uh, a lot of society doesn't understand. Yeah. And I mean, you got to wonder how many of these programs are causing almost recidivism because you know, there's so many employment barriers for people who are previously incarcerated that whether they're trying to get their life on track or not, you know, it's not easy for them. And this difficulty can often cause them to go back to the things that got them in trouble in the first place. Um, but in general, I was able to find some resources as well as reentry programs that can really offer, you know, some hope and some opportunities to those who had been previously incarcerated. Um, one opportunity I was able to find was with SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. Their program's called Getting Talent Back to Work. Um, they were able to start a pledge with a couple national and notable associations where they agreed that they would consider hiring qualified ex-offenders for job opportunities. Um, this means that if somebody is qualified for a job, but their background check comes back with some sort of incarceration or criminal history, that um, as long as those things don't affect their ability to complete the job, that they're willing to possibly overlook that and hire someone who could be good fit for the company. Um, some organizations that have already signed a pledge are things like the National Restaurant Association, the National Retail Federation, um, and even the US Chamber of Commerce. You know, These are some pretty big organizations and the fact that they're willing to take steps in the right direction and, you know, helping people get back on their feet and become a part of society, you know, it shows that we're moving in the right direction. Um, another program I was able to find is called Prison Fellowship. This is a more religious organization and it's also a private organization um, and it's dedicated to helping ex-offenders in the workforce. Um, this organization offers different areas of, you know, skill training, they offer resources in the community, connections with potential employers. Um, sometimes they even help with job application assistance, whether you need help filling it out or you're not sure exactly how to do something. And they also provide mentoring. So 
there's a lot of resources for people, you know, that might need some help getting their bearings re-entering society so that, you know, they have a good chance their first time around of succeeding. Um, some other resources that can be looked into, but um, generally need to be looked at online and can't really be talked about. Um, one is the Lionheart Organization. And um, this offers a list state by state of reentry programs. So, you know, depending on, you know, you're not incarcerated anymore and you really want to see what kind of programs are offered in order to help you find a job. If you go to the Lionheart Organization website, you can find the state that you're currently residing in. And it'll list off the reentry programs as well as you know the benefits of each, which will you know really helps compile all that information. Um, and then finally, the Department of Justice offers some information on federally funded services for reentry, also some faith-based community initiatives, kind of like the Prison Fellowship, halfway houses, as well as different prisoner reentry toolkits, so that um, you know people have a chance to get started the second time and you know, have opportunities that, you know, people in the past who are previously incarcerated may not have necessarily had. I think that that's really interesting because if you were to think about what your life would be like when you were incarcerated, right? And you come out and you, you know, you're in one of these halfway houses, um, I know that a lot of times the halfway houses are incorporated with, you know, people who were in prison a lot with um, people who are coming out of um, like rehabilitation facilities, such as like alcoholics or drug users and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm just very curious as to what life is like inside there. And because, you know, I'm sure that when people come out and they're looking for a job and stuff like that, they want to live the most normal life possible. And it's probably not really easy with, um, you know, family and reconnecting with them and friends like that. So it's just interesting to me how, um, you know, obviously, like these places that offer um, oper great opportunity like this of housing facilities and stuff like that. And all of these structured programs are great, but I don't know. I'm just curious on what life is like going through that when, you know, you want to be back fully in society and, you know, right whatever wrongs you have and be able to gain that normal life. I don't know. It's just, it's really interesting. All of that's really interesting to me. Well, and at one of my previous jobs, one of the first jobs I worked, I, I worked at, um, a restaurant and it actually had a really strong relationship with a halfway house in the town um, this halfway house was for previous addicts um, so not necessarily you know incarceration so I don't know how much that differs but um, I remember talking to some of the people that would you know return to the halfway house after work and how strict a lot of their rules were with you know coming to work being home at a certain time you know not missing curfew things like that and, you know, you got to think about, you know, being incarcerated and having that structure and, you know, having set meal times and, you know, set schedule that isn't up to you. And then reentering society, whether you skip the halfway house or not, and then having, you know, all that freedom and you have your time back and, you know, what kind of barriers that causes because, you know, you went from such a structured life to now, 
you know, it's your life and it's all up to you. So, you know, those barriers involved. Yeah, my, um, my brother is in the military and he lives a very structured life. And um, when he went out on deployment, he was stuck in a submarine for a year and a half doing the same routine daily. And I remember when even he came back, um, obviously it's, you know, probably nothing in comparison, but um, he came back and he was on land again and back in free roam society. And he, I remember him calling me and being like, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. It's two o'clock and I'm not working and I have absolutely nothing to do with my free time. And, you know, so it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I've, again, not that it's like the same situation, but it's, it's interesting because I've seen it happen where people have that structured life. So that, that is a really great point about that halfway home, helping them adapt and back into, you know, whatever present day society is at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think this was a great discussion and kind of wraps up our uh, talking points for today. Does anyone else have anything else to add? Um, I'd just like to say thank you all for watching. And uh, I know um, we kind of touched base on a lot. Um, this information is very helpful um, and can become a tool for you to use and to come back on um, whatever process or um, employer that you will contact with um, whoever in the future. And uh, I just hope that this is very helpful um, towards your future. So yeah. If anybody has any questions, you can reach out through Project AIM. Um, you can contact with our professor. We'll be happy to uh, resolve it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. <laughs>